Welcome to Let Me Ask My Dad, the podcast where I ask my dad some stuff. I'm your adult child, host Mel. And I'm your dad, host John. So today, as we are recording this, is the official two-year anniversary of me having top surgery. So I thought today we would talk a little bit about surgeries. Uh, What sort of surgeries have you had in your life, Dad? So let's go backwards in time. So most recently, I had my gallbladder removed because... I think that's just what you do when you hit a certain age is you have your gallbladder removed. And now I had, they, they found little things in there, so they took it out before it got real bad. It's a pretty common so, surgery. Yeah, it's a pretty common surgery. It, it was, it, so the surgery itself is pretty easy because they just, they poke like four or five holes in you and then they, they actually used a robot. Not, not, not like a, not like. Terminator. Know, the evil robot can do not like Terminator. Yeah, it's <laughs> they didn't terminate they put in your, your and they're actually out of you. <laughs> so they're like looking through like you know it's like they they're, they're looking through goggle things. They're looking in there and they're moving it around with their their hands. But it's you know it's technically a robot. Yeah, robot assisted um, uh, surgeries. Right, and it, the the surgeon was explaining it to me that um, actually she gets much finer. Um, uh, she can do things much finer than she can with just her hands, which I thought was interesting. Robots are littler than hands. Right. And they have better grip and stuff. Right. And when they told me that, I was like, you know, that they were just going to poke those holes. I'm thinking, oh, since they don't have to cut me open, then the recovery time is going to be like a few days. No, it's not. I don't know where I got that idea. And when I told her that, she's like, I don't know where you got that idea. I didn't tell you that. <laughs> Because it was, you know, plus, you know, I just turned 56, so I was 55 when that happened. And you don't heal as fast when you're older. Um, It was, yeah, it was, it was a lot. It's weird. It's almost like taking an organ out of your body affects your body. (laughs) Well, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, it's abdominal surgery. And, you know, you use, you use your abdominal muscles for everything. Oh, yeah, you do. (laughs) Yeah. Plus, yeah. Plus they cut a thing off of my liver. So, you know, that's you know, an open sore. And, you know, and when they send you home, you, you're all doped up on, you know, you're all numbed out and doped up on stuff. So you're like, oh, this isn't bad at all. Let's go through the drive-thru and get something to eat. And and then the next day you're like, oh, yeah, that hurts a little bit. And by the, by the next day I was like, this is the most horrible experience. I mean, it was, I was really in a lot of pain. Well, now that you end up having a lot of gas in you mm-hmm. because um, they have to blow you up in order to do this. And then they get out as much as they can. But eventually that gas starts moving around inside an area that's cut up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it was, that was super painful. Yeah. So, but it did, but it healed up just fine. I just have a couple of little marks on me. Yeah. Like 10 years ago, I think I had a roommate who had to have their gallbladder removed and them changing to the like no gallbladder diet was very annoying for them but they kept pushing themselves like it was probably a week or two after they had the surgery and we drove to portland for like a book reading and they insisted on driving and halfway through the book reading their surgery site opened up i had to run out of the uh, out of the event to a pharmacy to find bandages so my roommate would stop bleeding all over a theater. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, yeah I, did, I, I didn't. They have weren't any allowed to that, drive so. back. Yeah, you know, and and also, you know, I really didn't move much for. I mean, other than you know the getting up and moving around that you have to around your house. I didn't go and do things, but I really didn't want to anyway. 
Did you have to I, do the thing where your doctor said after a set amount of time you have to like get up and walk around for like 10 minutes? Yeah. I mean, we didn't have like a timer thing, but they were like, I, you know, I want you up and moving around. This is the only way you're going to heal. Yeah. And I had to anyway, cause I had to pee like every, <laughs> you know, 30 minutes. So, well, when I got my, my top surgery, y'all came out for it. So I knew I was mm-hmm. going to get it and I knew that I needed someone here for when I got it and you were planning your, your yearly trip. So I was like, Hey, I'm getting this surgery this week. Do y'all want to come out for this week? And you did. And it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the surgery, I think I had three or four different medications I had to take because I had a pain reliever, a muscle relaxer, and then I think just an antibiotic to make sure that my my surgical site didn't get infected or anything like that. Oh, and a nausea med. I also had a nausea med. Um, so I had to take those at set periods of time. And then I think it was every six hours I had to get up and walk around for 10 minutes because that was supposed to make the healing time go faster. You know, it's funny is I don't remember exactly, but I was the one, the person they briefed and then I briefed you several times. I seem to be in that position a lot where I do that with Audrey too, where I'm the one, you know, where I'm like, okay, just go ahead and brief me and I'll, I'll keep them to it. Well, because but they, I just I don't remember what it was. They briefed but, yeah. me beforehand. They gave me mm-hmm. paperwork with all of the briefing, and then they right. briefed me afterwards. And the afterwards and they, briefing was the one I don't remember because I was still so doped up. Right, and that's when they briefed me. Is when you were doped up, so then I could make sure that you were. Well, and then uh, we got home and we got back to your place, and you set your alarm. So you were yeah. setting your alarm to get up and do Yeah, because I set, I basically had a, I think it was every six hours. I had a six hour timer and then I had a timer for when I needed to take each medication. And I would just reset those every single time I, I had to do it. Because at first, like I had, I had some heavy duty pain pills that I think I only actually was on those for like four days because I do not like heavy duty pain pills. They don't really help with my pain and they make me feel gross. But thankfully, I told my doctors about that beforehand, so they gave me a bunch of muscle relaxers to help with the pain. But honestly, like, I was I, very... I think you only took them for a day or two because you yeah. were off You were off the, 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 the opiates before yeah. we left. The muscle relaxers were honestly just way better for me because they didn't make me feel super weird. And so my, my surgery basically... I don't know if this is how everyone does top surgery. The way my surgeon did it is they basically make your make your double incisions they do liposuction to get rid of most of the tissue um get rid of excess skin sew it back up and then do a nipple graft so most of my pain was muscle related because it was just those muscles being moved around as a result of the surgery and figuring out how to do normal things without using my arms was very difficult because all that stuff's connected and the moment i would move my arm was when i would get pain you know, and you you obviously have a much higher tolerance for pain than I do. Yeah, I do have a pretty uh, high tolerance. Because you, you see, I mean, like immediately, like the next day, you were like, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. And then by by the by the day after that, you, you were like, yeah, I'll go out to breakfast with you. And I think you actually the next morning I insisted was on Was the next morning you went? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I got my um, surgery the, I think my surgery time was like 11 in the morning it was like a two or three hour surgery and then i do think either the next morning i went to breakfast with y'all or i went to lunch with y'all that day you might have gone to lunch but i know that 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 next day we went to breakfast because we went out to that place with the pumpkin bread or whatever oh yeah sunbury cafe 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, you it, it was weird because I thought you were going to be like just miserable. And I you did weren't. too. Because that's and you that's, weren't at all. That's the only major surgery I've ever had because I had my wisdom teeth out, but that doesn't really count. Honestly, for me, um, the worst part of that, other than drains being gross in general, was I started doing stuff a little bit too quickly. So I think I had muscle soreness in my chest for longer than I probably should should have, just because I was like, oh, I can do stuff. Like I would forget you have. So my recovery time was two weeks of completely off work and bed rest and then one month of limited activity. So I wasn't supposed to like lift my arms up above my shoulder for like a month. I did it anyway, and it hurt very bad every time I did it. <laughs> so when, when the surgeon tells me, do not lift anything heavier than 10 pounds for 14 days, I don't lift anything heavier than four, 10 pounds for 14 days. I mean, I don't. I do whatever a surgeon tells me. If the surgeon tells me that, you know, every day you got to stand on one foot for five minutes, I will stand on one foot for five minutes every day. I just do everything that they tell me because I've, I've seen people not, mm-hmm. you know, they, they start doing stuff too early and they end up pulling stitches and they end up back in the hospital and it just prolongs it. Or they do some sort of, you know, permanent damage or, you know, it just, or, or they just, don't recover well. Yeah. For me, it's it's more of a matter of I just do things automatically and then realize as I'm doing them, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to be doing it. Like, I, mean, I was actually- very I was very good about not lifting more than 10 pounds. I was pretty good about that. It was the, like, overreaching my arms that I kept forgetting not to do. And here's the thing is they know you're going to, you know, that's a thing where you just can't remember that. Yeah. You know? And they know you're going to do that, but they tell that to you. So when you do it, you're like, oh, shit, I'm not supposed to be doing that. Yeah. So, because they know you're going to, you know, one time's not going to kill you or two times isn't going to kill you. Mm-hmm. They just want you to keep an eye on that. You know, and honestly, you could probably lift something that's 20 pounds and it wouldn't be a big deal. But, uh, but yeah, my, the, before, uh, before the gallbladder surgery, uh, a few, I haven't had a lot of surgeries, but a few years before that, actually several years before that, I had, because um, it was before I retired, I had um, hernia surgery. Mm-hmm. Three triple hernia surgery. Ooh, yikes! So they did uh, the uh, both the side ones and the umbilical, which is uh, just below your belly button. Yeah. So like we can do all three at once if you want, and you know, stupid me, I'm like, yeah, sure. Why would I want to well, go actually, in for multiple surgeries? Eh, Let's just do ex- one. Well, I, and honestly, it, it is better than going in for multiple surgeries because then you have just one recovery time rather than two or right. three recovery times. But basically, I had three three cuts and sew ups in my in my abdomen mm-hmm. close together. So um and like I said, you use your abdomen for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh so, you know, just getting up to go to the bathroom was just miserable. And you know, those first few days you can't stop peeing. Mm-hmm. Well, for me it's like the whole time because well for one, they put all those fluids in you when you're in surgery. So that's all gotta come out. Plus then you know if I'm laying in bed, I'm just drinking water and stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. But that was uh that one was that was that's the hardest one I've ever done that I can think of, because that that was tough. Because I was, yeah. I you know I, I I didn't come downstairs for like a week. I mean, it was really hard. Oh going yeah, because your, bed, your bedroom's upstairs. Right, and I remember a month later, it was even a month later, it was I it was difficult walking. Mm-hmm. I had to actually work at walking because it still hurt then. And honestly, two, three months later, uh, we were out hiking and we were like, oh, we're going to go up to Turtlehead Peak. 
And by the time we got to the saddle, I was done. Mm-hmm. And it had to do with, I mean, that was three months after surgery. So it was, it was deaf. That one, that one was hard on me. And I, I, you know, I don't, I have no, you know, after it did heal up, then I have no problems with it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that one was tough. Hernia uh, is one of the things that I am most paranoid about getting. Just because I know so many people who have had hernias, I'm just convinced I'm going to like lift something or bend over sometime and just have a hernia. <laughs> I, I have no, I don't know when they happened. It's just, I had, um, when I was in Cuba, I had, uh, I got like really sick. Like I, I had this really bad abdominal pains to the point where I was throwing up and we mm-hmm. couldn't figure out what it was. And then the doctor was checking. He goes, oh, you've got a hernia. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes, that may be, because what will happen is your intestines can get pulled through the wall. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's super painful and it'll make you throw up. And you really don't want it to go too far because it'll eventually pinch off your in- intestines and they'll die. And then you got a real problem. Yeah. Uh, so when I got back home, uh, these because I was only like two weeks from going back home anyway. They're like, hey, we can fly to Miami now, but... In two weeks, you're going to be back home anyway and yeah. go to your own doctor. So uh, And recover in your own bed back. rather than right. spending like a month in Miami. Exactly. When I got two weeks left before I go home. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I got home and uh, you know, went and the doctor checked. And uh, he said, uh, um, oh, he, you've got hernias on both sides. And he goes, let me check your umbilical. And he goes, oh, and you have an umbilical hernia. So I had three hernias, had no idea how I got them or that I had them. So, wait, when I mean, did this happen before you retired? Yeah, just before. Yeah, just before I retired. So, well, I don't remember yeah, this because I would have been living with you when this happened. When I was in Cuba. Yeah, because you were, were in Cuba I while in Cuba? I was living there. And then I yeah. I moved shortly after your retirement. Yeah. So you were there. You were there when I had the surgery. Why don't I remember yeah, you? You had to be. I don't remember yeah. you having that surgery at all. Because I had this, I had the surgery that December. Because we got back, I got back in October, end of October, and then they. Yeah, because I didn't move until checked. the next June. I genuinely don't remember yeah. you having that surgery. Hmm. I'm a bad kid. <laughs> I don't remember you being there, but you had to have been because yeah, that's right. Because that was. Yeah, it was. It wasn't the year before. Was it the year before? No, it wasn't the year before because that was my last one. So yeah, because if it was, if it was, if you, if they found it while you were in Cuba, I was living there while you were in Cuba. Yeah. Huh. Now i I did have a I did I mean that was that was a bad that was a bad recovery one. I had another one that was a mu- really painful recovery. Uh, we won't go into details now. It was a polynidal cyst. People can look that up if they want. Uh, but we're not going to go into it. But. Uh, uh, yeah, that was that was uncomfortable because it was in a bad spot. I mean, you could just say you had butt surgery. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's in a bad spot, and and the wound has to has to has to heal from the inside out. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you have there's a hole in, that has to have um, gauze ribbon into gauze it. packed into it, and then changed. That's a couple of times a day. That's pretty common with uh, with cysts, especially if they're like super yeah. inflamed cysts, because they got to get all the goo out. Yeah. So the it was very painful. I feel like you had a um a cyst removed from your wrist at some point too. I, I did. When I was in Texas I had a ganglion cyst on my in fact I still have the scar. You can look at it. 
uh, a ganglion cyst on my wrist, so it's a big lump. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went and that had that taken out, and that was I mean that wasn't bad. It wasn't I mean, you know, it's surgery. It's painful afterwards recovery, but the worst part with that was I couldn't use my left hand for my left arm or my left hand for jeez weeks. Aren't you? It's kind of hard to cut up food. I'm right-handed. But yeah, using but like, two hands is usually easier than using just one in most tasks. But yeah. Especially if you're used to it. So my friends are taking me out. Um, and, you know, so they take me out to dinner. And uh, I'm on uh, Percocet. Mm-hmm. And per- I have this... Op- so the weird side effect I have to Percocet, you know, other than typical opiate side effects, um, is I have an enormous craving for steak and dark chocolate. I don't know why. So they take me out to dinner and I'm dying for a steak because I'm on Percocet. I but really I can't hope, cut it. I really hope I this story ends with one of your friends having to cut your steak like you're a little kid. Yeah, Heidi cut my steak for me like I was a little kid because I couldn't cut my steak and didn't realize it until after I got the steak sitting in front of me and I'm like, I can't cut this damn thing. So yeah, I had my steak. Heidi cut my steak up for me like I was a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. How much shit did your friends give you for that? No, none that I remember. That's surprising. I mean, they weren't going to make fun of me. I was. You were you were high and injured. I was was high. I was high and injured. That's right. (laughs) But you know, after you know, I can only take Percocet for a few days, and then that's it. And now I just kind of wish they don't ever give them to me. Like this. This last one, they gave me tramadol. I don't even know what that is. That might even be a fake thing. It didn't work for shit. It didn't do a damn thing. Yeah, so. I, I, I feel like we've talked about this before. We might have talked about this on the dental episode, but pain relievers in general do not work as they're supposed to for me. Like, the only time I take a pain reliever is I'll take Excedrin for a headache, and that's mostly because it has caffeine in it, or I'll take Tylenol if I have a fever. Other than that, I do not take painkillers because they do not kill my pain. <laughs> Your ibuprofen works a, works a little bit on me. It kind of dulls the pain a little bit for like muscle aches or like uh, joint aches from, you know, the weather changes and stuff like that. I mean, it's not like miracle. It's just it dulls it a little bit. It's better than none. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, but like opiates and stuff like that, it's like they either make me just so messed up that. I just don't even know I have pain because I'm totally not functional mm-hmm. uh, or they just don't muscle relaxers work some. Yeah. Muscle like relaxers are the only ones that work well for me, but like the re- the regular pain relievers, they just don't, they don't do much for me at all. Have you ever gotten to the point when you're really drunk where you're not having fun and you don't want to be drunk anymore? Yeah. Like almost every time I'm drunk. Yeah. That's how I feel every time I am on opiates. Like, I just feel like I don't, I, I feel like I'm too messed up and I don't want to feel messed up anymore. Or I'm really dizzy, because most things make me dizzy. Which is why every single time I get prescribed a new medication, they also have to prescribe me anti-nauseaments. Yeah, they'll make me dizzy. You know, the worst thing is I'm just, I'm just sitting there drooling with the TV on and I don't even know what's on. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the part I don't like is I'm just... I'm I'm just not functional, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I don't like that. Like I only but like them sleep, if they're so. if they're the type that make me fall asleep because I'm okay with right. being with being asleep. But if I'm awake right. and messed up, I'm not into it. Right. Yeah. 
And then it's like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. And it, it seems like it takes longer to get to the bathroom because you're bouncing off things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm not a big fan of opiates and you know, those strong pain relievers. Because they really don't, I mean, they make you stoned. But other than that, they don't really take away pain for me. Mm-hmm. I do a few different things for pain relief because most pain relievers don't work for me. So if it's muscle pain, I'll do topical pain relief like Bengay muscle cream, stuff like that. And then over the past few years, I've discovered that I just absolutely love my TENS unit. Have you ever used a TENS unit before? I use my TENS all the time. I love that, them so much. It works really good. So if my back's bothering me or my knee's bothering me, uh, sometimes it works on my shoulder, but my shoulder's really a mess. So that, that's going to be my next surgery is my shoulder. Yay. Um, uh, but uh, which I've been putting off for decades. For anyone who doesn't know what a TENS <laughs> unit is, it's basically like... It looks kind of like an iPhone almost, depending on the type of one you have. And it has a little cord that comes out of it, and it has little sticky electrodes that you stick on your skin, and it basically shocks the pain away. It just sends yeah, like little, does... little like shocky vibrations and uh, and makes the pain relieved. From what I've read on it, what what it does is those uh, the little shocking things. What it does is it because um, it's just it's uh, it's just through your skin it doesn't it's not supposed to go into your muscle Mm -hmm. it's just in your skin and what it does is it gets into the nerves and it sends conflicting information to your brain through your nerves uh, and then gives you temporary pain pain relief because the message going to your brain from your nerves in the pain centers is now now it's got this extra information coming up there and it throws off your 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 brain doesn't know how to interpret it it's like in dramatic TV shows when they're trying to shut something down and their way of doing it is they're just going to overload the system so it shuts down automatically as a failsafe. But with your body. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I use my TENS a lot. In fact, I just ended up buying uh, uh, Alex. I, I had my original TENS unit that they, they gave me, and then Alex bought me a fancier one years ago. And then I just last year I bought another fancier one this year because they're so cheap now. I mean, yeah, really gone down in price. But yeah, I use I use it quite a bit. Yeah, I used it just the other day. So, but like what? Hey, when we were up visiting you, my back was so messed up. I was using it every night in the hotel. Yeah, I I have I don't I haven't been using mine as much recently because I've been doing uh I've been doing pretty good. But for a very long time, I had really bad lower back pain and um, neck and shoulder pain, and part of that was the way I was sleeping and also my terrible posture. But my my tens unit helped with that a lot. I actually need to buy myself a second one so I can have one at home and one at work, so I won't have to keep taking it to work with me just in case I end up being sore at work. Yeah, I end up buying a lot of pads. Yeah, because they're Cause they use they're like dirt cheap, pads. and you can get like yeah. twenty of them for for nothing. Yeah, yeah. So, I I do that. I will probably be putting it on my shoulder after we're done here. <laughs> yeah, Since and my then, shoulder hurts a little bit. And then I think uh, I used to have a lot of heating pads around the house, but now I have to do just cooling pads because even though heating pads feel nice, cooling pads work better. Yeah, that's true. Which is yeah. Annoying. Well, the heating pads just bring blood to the area, so you yeah tricking yourself into that. So, you know, I, I, I have had some other th- surgeries. I had the, uh, um, the eye surgery. Oh, yeah, you had your glasses. eyes burned off. Right. So I had, I had PRK. So the Air Force did it. And back then they wouldn't do LASIK because they LASIK, cause LASIK what happens is they go and they cut a flap on your corneas and lift them up. Gross. And then, and then they do the laser thing and then they put the flap back down. 
That's just gross. And the, and the, <laughs> and the Air Force was worried that in a combat situation, if you got hit in the eye, then your flap would come off. So... <laughs> Because they had well, they hadn't done a lot of. Well, yeah, this was they, in the, this was in the pretty early days of LASIK. They, they now do it, so uh, but back then they didn't. So there was a thing called PRK, is what I got. And basically, what they do is they go in and they buff off that layer, the top layer on your cornea with the a buffer thing. Instead of giving you they, a flap, they just cut the whole th- thing off. Right, and then they do a laser thing, and then over the next few weeks, that grows back over top that that thin layer of cornea that they take off the problem with it is that you know with lasik you have there's like no recovery time you're just done you mm-hmm. you walk out with prk you got about a week of recovery time and the first two days is like you've just been cutting onions nonstop for two days mm-hmm. it was pretty miserable but they give you numbing drops and they give you basically benadryl and uh, uh tylenol to take mm-hmm. and uh so so yeah those first couple of days sucked uh, and then you had to do these eye drops would end up raising my eye pressures and I had to go into the eye doctor like two times a week and then they would test it. But but that held up. I I, I didn't need glasses for close to 15 years. Nice. And, that, and then they start to drift back out again and I'm back in glasses again. But that, I, technically that's a surgery. Yeah. Well, that was also when you started your trend of um, only buying one specific type of sunglasses, wearing them all the time and buying a billion of that type of sunglasses. That that's true, and uh, and then eventually I just got uh, the prescription uh, version of them. So mm-hmm. now I just have one pair, uh, and it's my prescription pair. But it's the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same well, it was to it was to the point where those glasses were such a staple in like your aesthetic that for your retirement, uh, one of your coworkers ordered basically a bunch of cheap knockoffs of those glasses. And when you came in for your retirement ceremony, we all pulled them out from under our seats and put on sunglasses. <laughs> and everybody was wearing them. Yep. Yeah. My, my, my friend Stacia, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, my nickname in the Air Force was Ass Man. And it's been of, your nickname a lot of places. Last name's Aslan. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so she always referred to those because you, you, you have pictures of me like in Iraq and Afghanistan and everything wearing those sunglasses. So she always referred to them as combat ass man glasses. <laughs> so so now I kind of refer to them as that also. They're not my sunglasses. They're the combat ass man glasses. But uh, and then before that, I had wisdom teeth taken out, cut out. And those I mean, that's that's pretty much all my surgeries. Yeah, I, I can't, think I can't I've, think of any other surgeries. I've just had the two the the wisdom teeth and the top surgery, but to be fair, I don't want to get my eyes lasered off because I'm fine with wearing glasses. I, I actually prefer them. And I don't think I'm going to have to have any other ones until I get older and my body starts breaking down. Yeah. Well, the the uh the hernia surgery was the first time I got put under. Mhm. Uh, cuz the other ones they just put you into that that you know that twilight stuff where you just you, you're 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 totally awake. Yeah, you just don't feel anything, and you're talking to everybody, saying the stupid stuff. Like you know, I I, I remember when I was getting the uh, the the uh, the butt surgery, as you refer to it. <laughs> uh, so I'm you know I'm laying on my stomach and I'm facing the the uh, um, the anesthesiologist, and he's got all of his equipment there, and it's got all these gauges and stuff on it, and I and I remember. That I'm I'm talking to this guy and asking him questions like, "Do you get to take that home on the weekends?" <laughs> and then afterwards, I'm like, "Because 
That's the worst part was I could remember what I was saying to these guys. Oh, I don't remember anything And then anything same thing I with said. the polynidal cyst. You know, I'm awake and I'm chatting with these guys and, you know, the, the whole thing. And uh, Although, to but, be fair, the one time I was in twilight sleep, it was for my wisdom teeth getting removed. And you can't talk mm-hmm. while your wisdom teeth are getting removed. Well, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so the, the hernia surgery, well, the only times I've ever been put under was the hernia, hernia surgery and the, uh, uh, the, the uh, what do you call it, the gallbladder. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's just like you go in there, they give you that warm blanket. That's my favorite part is when you're, when you're waiting and they give, you know, they're hooking you up to all the IVs and stuff and you know, bruising you up and shit like that. And they give you that warm blanket that just came out of this warmer. And I'm like, I want the warm blanket machine. So for me, it wasn't a warm blanket because um, they had to, so they had to do like all of the markings and stuff of where they were going to do incisions and, and everything for me for my top surgery. And... I think then I, they put a, a gown on me before taking me back, but they put me in this thing that was, it was like a plastic bathrobe that was facing backwards. So you like put your arms in it and then it was hooked up to like almost a hair dryer. So it just made this little like warm cocoon around me <laughs> while I was oh, waiting to go back that. into surgery. I think it was called like a bear hug or something like that. It was very cool. Oh. I've never seen that, but I, I, you know, my two, you know, I, I love the warm blanket and I like those socks with the treads on them that they give you. Mm, yeah. Those are, those are, the, I don't I know why not, that's just. I did just... not get tread socks. So I got, oh. I got compression socks. I mm-hmm. got, um, some disposable shorts that are made out of the same material of those like cheap tote bags that you get at the grocery stores that are like half paper, half fabric almost. Oh yeah. And then I got Tyvex. a gown. Okay, yeah, that, uh, I, yeah. I just remember every time I go in that that warm blanket, and I was like, man, I love the warm blanket. But then they, you know, they they give you that twilight stuff. So then, you know, as, as they say, we're going to give you the twilight stuff, and then we'll give yes, we wheel you in. You know, now I always tell them, I apologize in advance for anything I'm going to say while you have me in the twilight sleep. Because they hear I'm that stuff say, all the time. I'm going to say dumb stuff, and and th- then that that's the same thing they tell me was, oh yeah, we hear that all the time. But thank you for apologizing in advance. I said, I don't say anything offensive. I just say dumb things. Yeah, you just um, ask weird questions. I will ask. I am going to ask you a lot of questions. That's the problem is I ask questions. Uh, I'm like a child. Mm-hmm. I just start asking questions like, how long did it take to put those lights in this room? <laughs> uh, and then they wheel me in there. And then they put that other stuff in there. And like three seconds later, I remember I wake up in the... the uh, uh, the recovery room. So, I mean, I that's kind of cool. There's no time. My anesthesiologist was super cool. I don't know if this is a normal thing that all anesthesiologists do, but the night before my surgery, he called me to like kind of go over everything, ask me if I've had any reactions to stuff, and just kind of walk me through the process before I got there. And then when I actually got there, they I was I was on the bed, they gave me the twilight stuff. And then this dude was super smart. Instead of the normal, like, letting them, letting the patient ask a bunch of questions or um, having them count down or stuff, he just started asking me to explain things to him. Like, I think he started asking me about my job and my cat and stuff. And basically, when I stopped being able to describe my job and cat, that was when he knew I was under. I can't even, I, I remember this last one we went, 
when we went in, the anesthesiologist came in while I was in there and asked me a series of questions. And, and then we chatted about stuff. He was getting ready to retire and he was moving someplace. And we talked about our jobs and things like that. And, uh, but when they wheeled me back in the room, I can't, I can't remember, but they, I'm pretty sure they had me talking to them, mm-hmm. that they were asking me questions. And then I woke up. So there's like no, it's that weird where there's like no time in between. It's just, there was no dreaming or anything. I just woke up. Yeah. And I was in another room. Well, for me, apparently I was like audible and stuff like that well before I remember waking up. So I had my surgery and then it was like, I think it was supposed to be like 30 minutes after the surgery was when they did the debrief with you, which I was supposedly Mm -hmm. also there for. But I yeah. don't remember until about 20 minutes later when I was laying on a on a gurney in another room and they were helping me finishing to put my clothes on. Like, apparently I had helped, like, put on, like, my chest binder and everything and, like, put on my pants and stuff and put on my, uh, and put on my hoodie. And, like, by the time I remember waking up, we were just finishing pulling up my pants. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> and they're like, you oh. had surgery. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I... The, the one thing I remember in this last one was I was starting to wake up. My eyes were still closed and I, I was in pain. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I was like moaning and groaning and, you know, you know, just sounding uncomfortable. And I remember her asking me, like she grabbed onto my hand and asked me if I was feeling pain. And I said, yes. And she wanted to give me her number, give me a number. And I, so I gave her, I don't know, I probably said nine. I, I just remember it hurting. And she said, I remember her saying something to somebody else about fentanyl. <laughs> and then I wasn't hurting anymore. And then I woke up and they gave me ice chips. And I was pretty groovy for the rest of the day. So. Did you get to go home right after your surgery or did they have oh, yeah. you stay in the hospital? Oh, no. I went right home. So. Uh, the only one I've had to stay overnight was the butt surgery. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. But. Uh, the, uh, but all the rest, I went home right afterwards. I mean, I would probably assume that that was a high infection risk. And also the well, location you had to lay in certain ways, I'm sure. Well, one thing is they numb you completely like you're paralyzed from the waist down. You can't move your legs. So yeah, because there's for a that lot of nerves back. and stuff in that area and you're very right, close to they, the spine. They, right. So they basically give you, um, I don't know what they, is. I don't know if that's an epidural. No, is it, what do they call that when they... The epidural is the one for pregnant people when they're right, having babies. Right, but I mean, I don't know if they use they, it for other stuff. Too. They shot something in me that basically made you paralyzed from the waist down. So you mm-hmm. couldn't. Not only couldn't you feel anything, you couldn't move anything. Like you couldn't move your toes or anything. So they have to wait for all that to come out back. So that may be why they kept me there overnight. But I remember them saying that you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to get up and go to the bath. You have to pee by midnight. You have to get up and go to the bathroom and pee by midnight, or we're gonna put a uh, catheter, um, <laughs> a catheter in you. And I was like, well, I'll be peeing before midnight. I can guarantee. I can guarantee that. So they said, well, just ring for the nurse when you get up when you need to go to the bathroom. So, so I I had felt that I it was it was coming. You know, I come back to at least down halfway down my calves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, you know, I could move my legs and everything, but my feet and ankles were still not really existent. And, uh, so I called, so I said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to need to run the bathroom. So they send in this young airman med tech who she had to be like five, two and 98 pounds. Mm -hmm. 
and she's going to help me go into the bathroom, you know. So she grabs onto my arm. We walk over the bathroom, and I'm walking like, you know, I'm stomping because I can't feel the ground, and I'm barefoot. So it's just mm-hmm. like you're walking like a baby. <laughs> exactly. I'm, exactly. I was walking like a baby. So then I go in the bathroom, and she said, um, "If you fall down, if I hear you fall down, I'm going to come in to help you." She goes, I'm going to come in right away. And, and I said, hey, if you hear me fall down, go get a mop first and then because <laughs> it's going to be a mess. But I didn't fall down. I was fine. I got back and I was out the next morning. But that's the only time I've ever spent the night in a hospital. Yeah, I don't think I've never I don't think I've ever had an overnight stay in a hospital. I've had I think I've had to stay in a hospital for a few hours when getting fluids once. But I think that's the longest I've spent in a, in a hospital. I've done that. We used, we used to do that in Honduras all the time where. You're really dehydrated, and you know, I was in tight with the medical folks, and they were always looking to do training to do IVs. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, man, I feel like crap. And they'd be like, hey, let's do an IV. I'm like, hey, you need anybody to do any training? And they'd give me an IV, and I'd do a bag of of saline and feel great the rest of the day. I've discovered recently that I don't really like getting like IVs or blood taken or anything like that. And it's not because I don't like needles that much. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of them, but whatever. But... I only have, like, good, easy-to-get-to veins on one of my arms, which means it's going in and about the same place every time. And I'm so paranoid that it's going to start looking like I'm getting, like, track marks from doing drugs because that's the (laughs) only place I can get blood taken from. And I have to get blood tests at least every six months. I So I'm good on both arms, you know, in in that elbow crease area. Mm -hmm. But when you go in and get surgery, that's not where they're putting your IV. They're either putting your IV in the side of your forearm mm-hmm. or the back of your hand. And they can never, every time they do the side of my forearm, they can never seem to get to it. So then they have to resort to the back of my hand. And the skin on the back of my hand is like a leather couch. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's honestly like giving an IV, to, you know, putting an IV in a leather couch. Mm-hmm. And so it just, it's so it, it's so painful because they got to push real hard and uh, it's, it, it's a mess. So then I bruise like crazy. And, and it's funny because I don't bruise easy, but after those IVs and either the side of my arm or the back of my hand, I'll have a good old bruise because they, there's the skin's too thick and it's just hard to get through. Well, it's especially annoying for me now because in the past few years I have developed an allergy to the, um, to the uh, adhesive that's Tape? on bandages uh-huh. Yeah. So pretty much like I got a flu shot like two weeks ago and I still have a tiny bit of a rash on my arm from where the Band-Aid was on. Oh, geez. Yeah. Like I like if I have a Band-Aid on for more than like two to three hours, I'll just get a rash there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's pretty yeah, I bad. I probably need to like figure out an alternative to that. Like the athletic wrap type things. I get those every time I get blood taken now just because that won't give me a, a thing. But there's some things like. I got a cut on my thumb last week. I cannot put athletic wrap on that. I have to put a bandage on that because it's too small of an area. Well, you could wrap it in gauze and then put tape, take medical cape, tape and put it gauze to gauze. So yeah, then the, I could do that. It never touches you. What I ended up doing was I had it was I had a bandaid on until it stopped bleeding and wasn't like super open, and then I just used liquid bandage for the next few days and was fine. Oh yeah, liquid bandage. Yeah. But that doesn't work on bleeding wounds. That works on something that you just need to keep dirt out of. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But I have no more surgeries. That's all I had. I don't have any other surgery stories either. So I guess that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, 
You can follow us everywhere at AskDadCast or using the hashtag AskDadCast. Our intro and outro music is Catch Up by Ben Lebowitz. And until next time, have a great day. Hey, before we go, if anyone has an idea of something that you want Mel to ask me to talk about, (laughs) put it on the Facebook page. Oh, yeah, we do have a Facebook page that people actually go on. (laughs) Yeah, comment on this and and, uh, Mel will ask me about something that you put up there. Yeah. So. Give yeah, us give turn. us ideas for our podcast because I'm yeah. running out of them. Oh, I'll start coming up with really stupid ones here soon. <laughs> St- stupider than malls. <laughs> How long did it take to put those lights in? Hmm. <laughs> that was the oh, thing it, you, you asked it, the surgeon earlier. Oh, yeah, earlier. It, I was having surgery? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. We'll talk about how long it takes to put lights in. Okay. <laughs> have I, a good day. <laughs> have a good day. 